Sorry, I need to join you remotely today instead of in person. I've been having cold symptoms the last several days. Uh, thankfully, it's not COVID. I've tested several times just to be sure. Uh, so to avoid coughing or sneezing around any of you and to set a good example to all of us, since we ask any of you with cold or flu-like symptoms to stay home, uh, I will do the same and share my message from my home office. I wonder how many of you are like me in that while reading the Bible, especially the Old Testament, we have a slight mental hiccup whenever we read God saying, I, Yahweh, am a jealous God. We might even silently substitute a word, that word for something more fitting for the creator of the universe than this immature emotion we call jealousy. But we can hardly overlook or dismiss the biblical notion that God gets jealous. It comes up at least two dozen times in scripture, and in today's reading, it shows up right in the Ten Commandments, the most universally affirmed scripture in the Bible. So how do we make sense of a God who gets jealous and possessive of our affection? Does this really paint a picture of God as a, an insecure deity? Is the kind of jealousy God feels anything like what we remember from our school days? Like when a certain star athlete gets more attention than we did and more perks, like having a seat saved at a certain table in the cafeteria back in the corner where we were not welcome to sit, not implying that ever happened to me. Or is it the jealousy that one partner in a couple feels when a third party starts infringing on protected space in that relationship? So who is God jealous of, actually? Other gods? Other lovers? Is God jealous of the attention going to Baal? Does God feel threatened by a golden calf? Is God afraid from, of being bumped from a spot at the lunch table in the cafeteria of the gods? No, no, and no. This is the sort of trouble we get into when we try to make God in our image. Of course, God is not insecure. God does not get riled up about idolatry because it hurts God's fragile ego. No, that's our issue. In psychological jargon, that's taking our dysfunction and projecting it onto God. Let's look at the word jealous. It actually has the same Latin root as zealous. Other potential synonyms are impassioned, protective, mindful, vigilant, attentive. But even more to the point, what exactly is God jealous for? To what end is God impassioned, protective, and vigilant? In other words, what gets God riled up? If we look at the question from a wide angle, considering the whole narrative of, script, of Scripture, the answer comes more easily. God is jealous or protective of a gift God has given us. 
a precious gift, a priceless gift that the whole future of God's Shalom project is riding on. As our Creator, God gave humanity a precious gift, the possibility of a full and flourishing life that reflects the image of God in us. And God put us in charge, trusted us, as I mentioned last Sunday, with the job of taking care of all creation, with, with all the love and regard that God had for it. The priceless gift is that we are God's partners, God's co-workers, in the project of seeing that creation returns to its original intent, to reflect the shalom of God in all its abundance, diversity, beauty, and harmony. God trusts us humans, even though we are responsible primarily for messing things up. God's great gift is that we have the means, the authority, the power, and the resources to do what God trusted us to do, to live into our honorable calling and pour ourselves into this Shalom project. <clears throat> when we worship gods of our own making, we reject, discredit, and undermine God's whole Shalom project of restoring and reconciling all creation. God is jealous for the Shalom of all creation. Can we all hear that? God is not jealous for God's own sake. God is not trying to preserve a fragile ego. God is jealous passionate, vigilant, and protective of the shalom of all creation. That's why we should all stop and consider how fortunate we all are, how fortunate the human race is, how fortunate all creation is. God is a jealous God, fortunately. Because the worship of gods that are not the Creator God results in the very opposite of what the Creator has invested in. Idolatry breeds self-interest. Idolatry breeds fear of scarcity, fear of the other, and all manner of other evil impulses. The God we worship has a heart of compassion for the poor, the downtrodden, the oppressed, the dispossessed. And God's intention is deliverance, full and abundant human flourishing. God is jealous for our well-being and for the shalom of all creation. And that is a precious gift for which we should all be grateful. The other thing we learn about idolatry from reading our Bible is that idolatry is most likely to crop up in unsettled times, in times of crisis when survival is being threatened. There are many examples, but the most well-known is probably the golden calf story. That happened when the people were all stranded together out in the desert 
and the leader who brought them there, Moses, had disappeared. He had gone up a dangerous, remote desert mountain, and after weeks went by, he seemed likely not to return. So, in the face of uncertainty, in the face of a leadership vacuum, in the face of having nothing tangible or secure to lean on, they created a God to fit their needs, a God they could see and touch and feel. One that would accept their worship and never run off and disappear on them, a golden calf. I think that describes pretty well the way idolatry creeps into our experience as well. A golden calf is more relevant to our experience than you might think. The worship of idols is not unusual or exotic. This is not about poor, benighted heathens bowing down before statues and trying to feed them. No, idolatry is about us. And it is a real and present problem for us. As we follow God into the unknown, into life's uncharted wilderness, idolatry is anything we create or depend on for comfort, for predictability, for controllability, anything that's a tangible substitute for the intangible. It's whatever we create and say, that looks like God, because it looks like what we wanted in the first place. We are tempted daily to misdirect our worship, to misspend the sacred currencies of time and money on tangible things that give us some degree of security or satisfaction, like material possessions or investments or social status or entertainment, or food, or sex, or you name it. These things, of course, are not evil in themselves, just as a golden calf is not inherently evil. It's how we relate to those substitutes that determines whether it's an idol. Are we spending time and money on these in an effort to remove the risk of faith or to calm our anxiety for an unknown future or to give us the comforting illusion of being in control? If so, we may well be engaged in the practice of idolatry. And God is jealous. Jealous for our well-being. Jealous for our ability to receive the life that God wants for us. Especially in times of stress and uncertainty and risk, we are prone to spend our sacred currency on idols. And we should be on guard against it. This is terribly hard to avoid. And we should give ourselves plenty of grace when we do it and give plenty of grace to others as well. It's especially difficult to put our trust in the unknown and unseen and mysterious, 
when the world is trembling around us, when the church is changing, when recession and inflation looms, when there is political chaos, a pandemic, and climate-induced superstorms and superfires, and a sharp rise in gun violence and mass shootings and a scorched earth war in Ukraine. So yes, let's give ourselves grace when we grasp for something, anything solid to hold on to. But let's also keep reaching toward the God that is beyond our control and who promises to be with us in the wilderness. We are all in need of grace, and it can be ours in abundance as we repent. So let's read together the confession printed in the bulletin as Moriah leads us. Join me in these words of confession. God, we confess we fall short of full trust in you, especially when the world around us shakes. We are captivated by new and shiny substitutes. We are tempted by hollow promises of security and success. Forgive us, redirect us, you are the only God we need. God, we are grateful for your jealousy, for your impassioned and fiery and single-minded commitment to our well-being and to the shalom of all creation. Draw us to yourself. Hold us in your embrace. You are the only God we need. God of steadfast love forgives us again. God always welcomes our wholehearted worship. Thanks be to God. Amen. <laughs> 